hundreds of thousands hold their breath on Merseyside. It's Xabi Alonso for three, three is saved, and Alonso follows it in! It's wonderful! It's marvellous! It's three, three in the European Cup final! And it's another red agenda, and it's another week where Liverpool remain unbeaten and on this relentless march. It's incredible, isn't it? I'm Steve Hothersall. James Pearce joins me to look at why Shankly was right. Liverpool do have the two <laughs> best teams on Merseyside. Liverpool's youth dominate on Derby Day. We'll talk Jordan Henderson a little bit later on, why he's arguably been the side's most important player this season. And we'll also talk Virgil van Dijk and Joe Gomez and why... You can't split that love affair. Now it's blossoming so brilliantly. We're also going to crunch the stats a little bit later on on how Liverpool historically perform in January. Uh, James, so much to get through. <laughs> We've got to start with a derby that sets another story and another toe. So many derbies of late have created different storylines. And here we are yeah. talking about Liverpool's youth against an Everton first team and only one winner. Yeah, just absolutely remarkable, wasn't it? You think, you, I think it feels like Jurgen Klopp's almost running out of different ways to to kind of win Merseyside derbies. And you think of the you know, the Mane ninety fourth minute winner at, at Goodison, Origi ninety sixth minute, you know, changing half the team a month ago and 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 still battering them. And then that one on Sunday is in a whole class of its own because. I think we, we went there with almost a little bit of a sense of trepidation, thinking this proud derby record that you know goes back to 1999 at Anfield. I think most Liverpool fans realistically thought that was going to end on Sunday because you know, especially once the you know, the team news we all expected dropped, and you know, nine changes, half a team of, of kids. You know, they had absolutely no right to win that cup tie yet. You know, the way they went out there and performed was testament to the the culture of excellence that Klopp has created, running right the way through the club. Well, Liverpool put the team news out. A lot of people made the accusation that maybe Liverpool were disrespecting the FA Cup at that stage. I don't think for one minute Jurgen Klopp had that perception of what he was doing. No, no. I think a lot of people said to me, "Oh, but we don't we don't play Tottenham till next Saturday. Why? You know, why? Why? Why is it such a big deal?" And it was like, well, "It's not what's coming up. It's what they've just been through." You know, December was an absolutely ridiculous month for Liverpool, and, you know, and players have been dropping like flies. You know, Liverpool went into the weekend with with twelve fit senior players still standing and then you know so he only he only retained Milner and Joe Gomez from the from the previous game and then what within 10 minutes Milner pulls up hurt which you know probably for, for Klopp just underlines why he had to leave out so many of his frontline players so no I don't think it was a case of disrespect I think it was just a case of the the demands of the festive period coupled with you know a dose of realism in terms of where the FA Cup is in in Liverpool's list of priorities you know Liverpool have got Tottenham United Wolves coming up He's not in a position with that squad that he can take too many risks. And I think it was 14 established senior players that were missing on Sunday. Yet, you know, the opportunities that he gave to those young players, they, they grabbed with both hands. Let's bring in the uh, the Athletic senior writer, Ollie Kay, to give his perspective on this. Ollie's covered m- many a Merseyside derby. Welcome along, Ollie. Thank you. When it hit 90 minutes full time, what was the the overriding emotion for you over what you'd seen? I think it was it was a you know it felt like a, a really really significant uh, result for both teams. I mean, we, we have, we, obviously this is a Liverpool podcast, but I think for Everton that that result is is almost the uh, you know and, and that second half performance is probably for them the, the most sort of humiliating thing imaginable. I mean, there's been all this optimism with Ancelotti coming in, and and you know before that the sort of Duncan Ferguson back to basics approach and Liverpool. 
just showed them really that you know how deep the the, the sort of quality is at, at Anfield, how deep the squad is, and how there is basically this sort of identity that runs through the whole of the whole of the Liverpool squad. I mean, you know, when we talk about it being a Liverpool reserve team, it was you know half of it would be a Liverpool third team. If you were doing, if you're doing what's what's Liverpool's strongest first eleven, what's Liverpool's second eleven, what's Liverpool's third eleven, I would imagine guys like Williams and Phillips and and Curtis Jones and Chiravella, would be yeah, Larucci would be third eleven players rather than second eleven players. You know, it wasn't it wasn't Shakiri, Cater, Lovren, Matip, Klein. It was it was a lot of you know, players who were way beyond the the sort of first you know first rank of reserve so it was a massive statement from Liverpool <laughs> probably I mean I've, I've, you know, Liverpool fans um, friends of mine sort of saying <laughs> telling me it's the most sort of satisfying um, sweetest um, <laughs> that good um, derby victory of, of all the, of all the many in recent years and for Everton it's probably the most humiliating for, for, for so many reasons because I mean they would never have a better chance in some ways uh, to, to, to be to beat Klopp's Liverpool, and they did seem to have Liverpool on the ropes for you know, that, that opening period of the game, and they just Liverpool just turned it into a different, completely different game, more more technical game in the second half, and, and I think one of the commentators said, "Well, it was, it was like boys to men, and, and the boys won, uh, boys against men, and the boys won, and that's that's exactly it." Absolutely, it emphasised to me the DNA, James, that runs through the football club. It's what, it's what all clubs would love to have. Yeah. But everyone in the academy, whatever level they're at, they're all taught the same things that these the senior pros are taught to believe in. Believe yourself, believe you're good enough, uh, believe in the way you play football. And you can see it runs top to bottom. That was the great, greatest example of it. Yeah. I mean, Ollie mentioned the word identity, and I think that was the, the thing. Although although the names on the shirts were, were very different and the, the, the players out there were, were much younger, it looked like a Liverpool team, didn't it? It looked like a Klopp mm. Liverpool team. The way that they, they played their way out of trouble, they never panicked. The composure on the ball, the way they moved for each other, um, you know, the link-up play. Um, yeah, it, was, it really was testament to what not only Klopp has built, but also... You know the the structure that's in place right the way through the club. You know, you look at Alex Inglethorpe and the job he's done at the academy. Mm. Um, you know, Pep Linders. You know, how important has he been? You know, he for so long he was that pivotal link between the club's two bases in uh, in at Kirby and uh, Melwood, and and now you know Klopp's trusted lieutenant as his as his number two. And you know, you know that yeah, things like that don't just happen. You know, for for a number of years now, there's been this in place where the under 16s upwards play the way of the first team. You know, they mirror it in terms of formations, they mirror it in terms of style, with the idea being that then that does help when those young players make that leap to Melwood, that they that they know what's expected of them. And you and you can see, you know, though having those high standards across the board has enabled them to to, to come in and, and perform to that level. And yeah, I think it's difficult to do justice to just how an imp- how much of an impressive achievement that is because once Milner went off and Larucci came on, six of Liverpool's ten outfield players had never started a Premier League game, and and a seventh in Pedro Chirivella only started one, and that was four and a half years ago against Swansea. So, it's that that is absolutely remarkable to to go toe to toe with it. You know, I think even the I saw a stat knocking around on the value of the two teams. I think Everton's starting lineup cost two hundred and twenty million. Liverpool's was just over forty million. Yet. Yeah. You know th- those young players. You know the 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 composure, the desire, 
the fight, the hunger, and then the fitness as well. You know how much you know they they finish so strong. You know I think you're sat there thinking you know Everton are gonna gonna rally here. They're gonna have a good spell. Liverpool are gonna have to cling on, but they didn't, did they? they Liverpool was so comfortable in that last 10, 15 minutes. If anything, they they looked like they were gonna score again. It's it's very much a Klopp hallmark, isn't it, Ollie? That the teams go to the absolute wire. We've seen it with with so many late finishes from his side this season. It just it just happened again and again in, in terms of um, in terms of late winners or, or, or great late turnarounds when they get the game at Villa, for example. But I think it was probably more surprising yesterday that, that it was it was a, a young team sort of surviving and holding on resiliently through that difficult first half, then really taking control and, and a beautiful goal from Curtis Jones. What a goal! And then. The twenty the final twenty minutes just handling it so maturely and and so you know, that, that level of control and that that it felt like it felt like you were watching the first team because, you know, the first team haven't been dominating every minute of every game this season. They've they've been tough times to get through in certain matches at Southampton and elsewhere and but that that was like watching the same team and and, and, and I was I was thinking of just picking out a, a couple of players uh, uh, Williams and, and, and Jones and I just thought to myself I can't really do that because if you do that you've got to <laughs> go through them all because you know, Chirivalo was, was superb uh, something I'd never seen from him when I'd, when I'd watched him before and Joe Gomez was was brilliant you know absolutely back to his best Lalana, obviously the old man of the team fantastic but it, it was a real it was a really strong team performance in the second half and I, I probably for Klopp as well, it must have been one of the most uh, satisfying uh, results uh, and performances of, of his of his tenure in a, in a really surprising way. I think there's some really different characters to look at here. So if we start with Curtis Jones and actually yeah. what it means for someone so young to score a derby winner, it, it's possible he'll never score a, a better <laughs> goal on a better occasion than that. Um and he is such, and if you meet him, I had him in the lounge, I hosted Anfield as our man of the match after the 5 all with Arsenal, he scored the winning penalty, he came on for Naby Keita in that game, he was sensational. Yeah. Um, and it was my first sort of contact in terms of having a chat with him. And he is so laid back, he's so scouse, yeah. he's very unaffected by the, the football world that's around him. And I think that sort of is replicated in his football yeah, when you speak to youth coaches at the academy, you know, they, I think there's two different types of young players, isn't there? There's, they've, all, they've all got talent there, but some of them you really need to build up and give them the self confidence, and then you've got the other ones who really don't struggle with the self confidence, but you just need to channel it and make sure it doesn't go the wrong way. And Curtis Jones, is fair to say, fits in the in the latter category. Mm-hmm. I think that was underlined by the penalty shootout against Arsenal in the Carabao Cup. You know, when they did the list, you know, his arm shot up and Klopp put him down for the fourth one. Then unknown to Klopp, he went and swapped with Origi because he wanted the responsibility of taking the fifth in front of the cop. I mean, how many eighteen-year-old? I, mean, <laughs> I mean, how many eighteen-year-old kids would, would, would you know would have the have the front to do that? But he, that's the way he is. And um, you know, I remember watching him playing for Steven Gerrard's under 18s probably three seasons ago now. I mean, he, his talent was undeniable, but he was he had this habit of. I mean, he'd play wide left and he'd beat, he'd beat his man two or three times and then go back and try and beat him again just for the hell of it and there wouldn't be much end product. And I think where, where the coaches have really got into him over the, probably the last 18 months especially is, is ensuring there is more end product to his game. I think physically he's developed massively. I think you go back to when he made his debut a year ago against Wolves in the FA Cup, I thought, I thought he looked a bit lost in that game, a, a boy in a man's game. You know, now physically he can handle himself 
Um, and they've worked really hard at Kirby. Neil Critchley, you know, has given him the under-23s captaincy. I think that's helped in terms of improved his focus. Um, and they've worked really hard with him on his work off the ball because I think it, before he probably did have a habit of you know, almost like, I'll wait till the ball comes to me and then I'll do something with it, where, where they've drilled into him. No, 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 you've got to be involved for the whole 90 minutes. You know, you unless your attitude and your application is absolutely spot on, you, you, you know, your talent alone is, is not enough. And, you know, it was it was great to see him showcase his development to the to the world on Sunday because it was a stunning goal and that, that was no fluke. You know, he's done that numerous times this season it's just been previously it's been in front of two men and a dog at Kirby <laughs> not in front of 55,000 and god knows how many millions around the world watching and Anfield, what's I, 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 sorry. I, I was just gonna say I was at that game at, at Wolves last um last January as well and, and James is right he did look he did look lost he uh, I, I, it was the first time I'd um I, I'd seen him play at any kind of level really and I was sort of I'd heard great things about him beforehand and he did he, he just looked it just looked like he wasn't ready at that at yeah. that time at, at Wolves, and it was a it was a sort of strange lineup that that night as well. But but um, but he obviously thrived um, on Sunday. He, he thrived the, the various games he's played all season. I mean, MK Dons, the, the five all against Arsenal. He's looked he's looked really good. And I thought one thing that was really interesting um, in James's piece in the Athletic was, was where he where he spoke about how the Klopp wanted him to develop. Day in day out at Liverpool, at, at you know at Melwood, not not going out on loan. Not you know, there's no need to go go out on loan because we're going to give you some games here. We're going to you know, you're going to be training with the best players, and it does seem like that is Klopp's approach with with a lot of the young players. It's, we're not seeing 20 players go out on loan as, as happens with with with, uh, with with other clubs, and Klopp just clearly feels that they are in the best environment to develop and improve and perform, even if they're not getting as much football as they'd like. Kremchenko scored the winner two years ago. He's up against Dudek. Will he hand Liverpool the European Cup? Yes! Yes! European champions! Jerzy Dudek with the penalty save. This is the Red Agenda on The Athletic. This Athletic podcast is brought to you in association with Stitch Fix, an online personal styling service that takes the hard work out of dressing well. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic. Fill in a style quiz. Tell us about your personal style, budget, shape and size and your clothing needs and wants. A personal stylist will then send you five items of clothing, each hand-picked especially for you from our selection of 100 brands, including established names, cool emerging designers and exclusive brands you won't find anywhere else. Try on everything at home and style with other items in your wardrobe. You can then pay for what you love and send back the rest. For your stylist time, you pay a charge of £10 which is deducted from the cost of anything you decide to buy. You try before you buy at home. Delivery and returns are free both ways, and you don't need a subscription to sign up. Uh, Stitch Fix allows you to save time because uh, they do the shopping for you, discover new styles. Uh, your stylist could find great items that you may have never picked out when shopping yourself and enjoy top styling tips. Our experts going to give you ideas on how to wear items. So get started with Stitch Fix today and support our podcast by going to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic right now. 
Right, let's get back to uh, to Curtis Jones. And, and it was lovely to see a message coming in from Robbie Fowler, who's down under. And um, Ollie, he wrote, um, hello, Curtis. Um, put your hand up if you're from Toxteth and have scored a winner in a Merseyside derby. So uh, Curtis becomes the, um, the second youngest behind Robbie to, to score in that fixture. It's just that lovely connection, isn't it? The fact he's for, the fact he's a Toxteth lad, a local lad, understands it, and even that connection that Robbie's now made with him there. Yeah, I, I, I haven't seen a tweet, but I, I thought you were going to mention the fact that they were both eighteen as well when they did it, which is uh, which is uh, <laughs> which is which is you know makes it even even more special. You know, it's not just it's not just a local lad; it's a local lad in his, in his first season, and it's it, it's a yeah, it, it's brilliant. And you think, yeah, I mean, how how much are Everton? Screaming out for, for 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 someone to be able to do that. I mean, obviously, they had Wayne Rooney. I don't think he scored a derby winner for Everton, but but you know, they they want that great young player to to build the hopes around. And they've, you know, Tom Davis is a a really good talent, but you know, he, he's probably gone through a difficult few years with all the upheaval there. Whereas you see a a lad like Curtis Jones just going into this onto this stage with Liverpool and just sort of strutting around like he owns it, and it's that is fantastic to see. And, and you know what? A lot of fans these days, and a lot of a lot of us in the media, we, we always think, well, it's very small-minded when when we talk about, oh, there must be more English players, there must be more local players, because it's obviously, you know, it's an international game these days. It's, it's a world game. Foreign owners, foreign managers, for, you know, of course, players are recruited from all over the world, and of course, that inevitably makes it harder. But it also makes it even more special, I think, when not just you know an English player, but particularly a local. Player makes it, and you see you see what it means to Man City fans when Phil Foden when they get a glimpse of Phil Foden and when he scores, and you know Jack Grealish at, at Villa and you know Trent at Liverpool, and it would be great if I think Klopp said this very early in his, his time. He said he said if if there are two players who are who are equal in talent and equal in ability, I'll, I'll, I'll go for the scouser. And um, he's I mean he's probably surprised a lot of people by how much he pushed Trent very early on um, in order to establish him as, as right back when perhaps in some ways he wasn't ready for him. You know, he wasn't the player two years ago that he is now. But you wonder whether you know, he might now begin to do the same with, with Curtis Jones and, and push him and push him and push him and you know, really give him that opportunity to, um, to, to, to become a... It's a regular member of the first-team squad. So how much is he knocking on the door, James? I mean, after the game, he spoke about being disappointed that perhaps <laughs> he hadn't been involved yeah. more. I mean, that's a confidence <laughs> way beyond, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think that, that does stem back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of backing himself, which is, is really important as a young player, isn't it? To, you know, you'd, I think as a manager, you'd rather see that in a young, mm. a young player and you know, for him to do his TV interviews and say, you know, it's been really frustrating for me watching on this season and, you know, in my head, begging to to get brought on, and you know, essentially, he's he's backing himself to get past, you know, Sadio Mane is effectively on the left hand side of that that front three, or you know, the advanced role in centre midfield, and you know, it's you know, it's huge competition, and you know, it's, mm. this is this is we're talking about the, the best team club team on the planet currently. Um, yeah, I think he he's he's shown that he he merits certainly. You know, he he's going to be in contention for the rest of the season. I think you know, there's been a lot of loan interest. Uh, especially from the championship, I think the, the the kind of perceived wisdom was that once Liverpool got the FA Cup out of the way, and I think most people expected the FA Cup adventure to be very short and not particularly sweet, that that certainly Brewster would go out on loan. And Brewster, I think, will he will go go to Swansea as we understand, and 
and that Curtis Jones will follow suit. Now, I, I think that might change now. I, I'd, I'd be surprised if Curtis Jones was loaned out because I, I just don't see. I think I, th- I think he'll have I think he'll have a part to play between now and the end of the season, especially with the way that the injuries are at the moment. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. So to, just to like Oli said, he could be fast tracked there. Yeah. Are there a few others? Pedro Chiravella's interesting. Twenty two years old. I I met Pedro four years ago at the at the academy. Yeah. And I think at the time, maybe it was thought that he wouldn't continue his, his Liverpool career. Uh, I, you know, he might end up somewhere else. And I spoke to him yesterday after the game, and he said it was just a case of getting his head down. I mean, obviously mentally so switched on. Still after four years, still 22 years old. And speaking to him, he was absolutely elated at being involved in that occasion. You know, is, is he someone who's got a future? Realistically, no. I don't mm. think. I don't think so. In terms of, I think he's at a very different stage of his development to someone like Curtis Jones, eighteen years of age. I think Pedro Chivella's twenty-two. Going twenty-two. On, so how long can you keep and, them? Well, I, I, I think. I think whether. I think the question with Chivella is, does he stay for the rest of this season? Because you know now he's performed. You know, that he, we've. I'd never seen Pedro Chivella perform like he performed yeah. alongside Adam Lallana on Sunday. I think. Um, you know that that area worried me before the game. I thought, you know, if there was going to be one area where Liverpool would be found wanting, it would be that lack of protection in front of the back four. Yet he was absolutely outstanding, Chirivella. But you know, I, I still think going forward, when you look at the competition in that department, um, but you know, I'll tell you what, Michael Edwards's phone will be ringing. I think today and and the next few mm. days after after that, because you know Liverpool turned down a couple of offers from Championship clubs for Chirivella last week on the basis that. They knew they would need him for the FA Cup tie, and I think now the question is: is now probably the best time to maybe cash in and him for to embark on a new challenge, or have you seen enough there to think? Well, actually, you know, at a time when the squad is quite depleted, you keep him around for the rest of the season. He's had a he had a, he's had a strange Liverpool career because you know you think you know I think it was you know, Brendan Rodgers who gave him his his Liverpool debut, and he's been around a, a, a long time and shown little flashes here and there, but you know there's been other times where. You know, Liverpool have made it very clear he could leave, and you know, I think he came very close to joining Rosenberg, and um, and then that that deal fell through. Of course, he went out on loan to to Spain last season, and then there was an admin error, which then meant he couldn't even play for them in the second half of the season. And then, of course, you know he he wasn't even registered to play in the Carabao Cup when he came on against MK mm-hmm. Dons, and that led to Liverpool getting a heavy fine. And you know that that was linked to the fact where you know, the paperwork hadn't been double checked because essentially you know, he was he was so far out the way, no one really expected him to be anywhere near the Liverpool team, but yeah, you've got to give him huge credit to, to come into a game of that magnitude and perform like that. Yeah, congratulations. Lovely young gentleman. There was loads of great performances. Yasser LaRucci, Nat Phillips, fantastic stuff. So where does the FA Cup sit now, Ollie, for for Liverpool heading to the next stage of the competition? Will, will we see a replica of team selection? Will it depend on what's happening in terms of who they're playing or, or the other fixtures that surround the, the next date in the fourth round? I think we'll probably see a sort of mix-and-match approach and, and probably a continuation of, of what, what we saw the other day. I mean, if you look at when the um, the fourth round is scheduled, it's smack-bang between away games in the Premier League to um, Bulls and West Ham, is it? Yeah. So it's going to be in the middle of those games. I think it will be, you know, again, a weakened team. I mean, even if it's <laughs> Manchester United or, or whatever, you know, I, I think probably um, Klopp will, will feel even more um, emboldened in, in terms of that than he did before, and I think if, if um, and, you know, then there's obviously the 
that that one week break or two week break or whatever it's going to be, and then the um, and then the Champions League starts up again. So I mean, it will it will depend how fixtures fall. And I mean, realistically, if, if Liverpool if Liverpool found themselves in the in in the quarter final um, come um, come the middle of March, and if look, this is a big if, but say say they were it was looking unassailable in the Premier League even by that stage, um, and you know. Say if they were out of the Champions League, so you know, so they got knocked out by um, Atletico. I think, I think there would be a, a sort of change in policy at that point if they are still in a, a sort of fifth round quarterfinal stage. But it's it's to me it, it's very clearly you know way down the list of priorities this season. I think Klopp is not alone in, in seeing that, and I think a lot of us in this country will say, well, you know, isn't it a shame that managers? disrespect the FA Cup in this way but I think everybody can totally understand um, people you know clubs fielding weaker teams in the FA Cup and then when a, um, a, a, a sort of second stroke third choice 11 outperforms a very expensively ex- assembled Everton senior 11 you think well is that is that really that disrespectful after all it's it, you know it seems um it seems like it's probably given me you know it's probably in some ways the most romantic story of the FA Cup weekend. Ollie, absolute pleasure to have you on the uh, the Red Agenda. Thank you. No problem at all. Right, let's um, shift on. Obviously, Joe Gomez was one of those playing for Liverpool in the FA Cup, but Virgil van Dijk got a, a rest much needed or not. I don't know. He never looks like he sort of stretches himself, does he? He <laughs> seems to breeze around as if it's um, an easy training session. But since Joe Gomez has come back into the side... They've sort of reconnected on a on a scale that we've we've all been after for quite a while. So Gomez and Van Dijk, a partnership that's that's in, inseparable now. Yeah, they almost look kind of made for each other, don't they? They, they complement each other so well. I know they're they're good pals off the pitch, um, and, I, and I think you can see that with when the, with the understanding between them when they play alongside each other. I mean, Joe Gomez had, had a really difficult first half of the season, and you know I found myself having to kind of write things to defend him and. And in Q and A's defending him, there seemed to be a lot of criticism coming his way that he he wasn't the same player and that he'd almost been overhyped. And you know, I kept trying to say this kid's he's twenty two. You know, he's been because he's been around a long time. I think people sometimes lose sight of the fact that for in, in centre back terms, you look around elite football in Europe, there are there are very few top class centre backs in top mm. teams at, at his age. Um, so you, you're bound to get peaks and troughs with with young players, especially I think in in that specialist position. Um, and, and of course, his position was moved a little bit. He played right yeah. back as well, didn't he? Yeah, so been, yeah. perhaps that wasn't the position he excelled in. Yeah, and I think it's just been—he's you know, he's had a lot of misfortune during his Liverpool career with in, with injuries that you know, and it's, it, they tend to have been serious ones rather than you know, little muscle pulls here and there. He's had, you know, you, you think about the first half of last season, he was absolutely flying. You know, him and Van Dijk, by far and away Liverpool's best partnership. Then you know, he got that horrible challenge, I think, from Ben Mee at Burnley and. And and end up ends up breaking his his leg and is out for four months and then when he comes back you know he doesn't get the run of games he's you know I think he only came on what was it probably in the last few seconds of the Champions mm. League final um, and then again you know in pre season he comes back but he's playing catch up because he's not he's not up to the same speed as everyone else of course Joel Matip has come into the side and done absolutely brilliantly en route to to winning the Champions League Matip um then you know again kind of establishes himself alongside van dyke then you had lovren come into the side and do really well so you know gomez suddenly must have looked at it and gone hang on i'm now fourth choice center back and when he did play 
I think it, it was almost in that difficult position where he, he wasn't getting a run of games to be able to get the rhythm he needed to get back up to speed. And he wasn't going to get the run of games because his form was that patchy. I don't think Klopp thought he could just keep on playing him. So um, it was a difficult time for him. But I think in a funny kind of way, what really helped him was the fact that with circumstances with Matip and Lovren both being out, it kind of eased a little bit of the pressure on him, I think, as well, because he kind of knew that well, I'm, I'm going to get a run now anyway, because there's only me and Virgil left standing as the senior centre-backs. So less pressure on him. So I think so, actually... yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think, and then, and then just over time, I think benefiting from then having that, that, that regular game time, he's grown and grown in stature. And, and now he's, you know, I remember doing a piece with one of his old coaches at, Charlton Athletic, who described him as a, a Rolls Royce defender, and, mm. and and he's now playing like that again, isn't he? You know, it's, but it's, but it's not just see. Virgil who makes it look easy now. Yeah, I think Joe Gomez yeah, it, makes it look. It's very rare you see a partnership where they're both so comfortable yeah. on the ball. Yeah, and I think you, you could make an argument that that Gomez has actually probably outshone Van Dijk in in, in some mm. games over the last six seven weeks because he's he's been performing at such a ridiculously high level, and then. Even Sunday was very impressive because you know suddenly he was the senior partner. You know you looked, he must have looked around that team and thought, "Wow, you know, I'm I'm still relatively young in football in terms yet. I've got vast experience compared to most of the the, the kids around me." And of course, Nat Phillips alongside him making his debut, and you know Nat Phillips had a you know a, a pretty dodgy opening 15, 20 minutes. Yet you could see that Gomez was talking into him, to him, cajoling him, you know, organising. You know, never played together before. Um, yet talked him through it and. Yeah, Gomez was was absolutely immense, and it's it's great to see because you know we talk about the amazing business that Liverpool have done over the years. Well, there's not there's not many many too many deals better than Joe Gomez. I think initial fee of three and a half million pound to sign him from Charlton, and you you think what he could go on to achieve in a Liverpool shirt. You know, he could be a mainstay of this team for the next 13, 14 years. The two of them together, and the biggest thing will be keeping injury free for Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, I mean, he just he deserves some good luck, doesn't he? You know, again, I think. Some players get tagged as being injury prone or anything, but if you look at the things that have happened to him, you know, like an ACL injury, playing for what was it, England the twenty ones, just just after Klopp had taken the job, and then being on the verge of coming back, and then doing his Achilles, and you know, and then he's had you know a knee problem, you know, he's had to have ankle surgery, and um, and then obviously the broken leg. I mean, he's had, he's had a he's had a lot of misfortune, which you know, and it, anyone that knows Joe Gomez, he's he is. One of the nicest fellas you could wish to meet. You know, in terms of we talk about Liverpool squad being humble and grounded, but he's like the the, the, the epitome, epitome, isn't he? Yeah, he's the absolute. Yeah. You know, there's absolutely, you know, not a, a whiff of kind of arrogance or cockiness to him. He's just a, a lovely, lovely fella, and he, um, yeah, you just hope now that he he can stay fit and 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 yeah, and and, and enjoy some some luck because quality wise, you know, there are very few centre halves in Europe. That, that you would you would rather have, and when they're all fit and available, of course, um, that that's an incredible sort of luxury for Jurgen Klopp to choose from. Uh, yeah, and they're on the, you know Matip and and Lover and Klopp said the other day aren't aren't far away. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a lot a topic of debate whether he would maybe dip into the market in January um, to strengthen defensively. But I think I think he feels that because Lover and Matip aren't far away, you know, suddenly, you know, with a bit of luck, he should find himself with the four frontline centre halves. And in the next few weeks, and you know that completely alleviates what was a a major worry because you know if if Gomez had come into the team and not delivered, 
then Liverpool, there's no way Liverpool would be in the position they're in now because you know they were they were down to the bare bones in that department and uh, he's he's really delivered for Klopp. It's, it's interesting. Not much has been made of Liverpool's injuries. It's it's not received that sort of national recognition, no, but I, they've they've had a pretty bad time for injuries. So yeah, and obviously think, losing their best player in Fabinho, and he was at the time. Yeah, and I, and I think it's, I think it's just one of them strange things, isn't it? Because I think you speak to fans of other clubs, and a lot of them say. Oh, Liverpool have been lucky this season. Been lucky with VAR, lucky with injuries. You know, you, you hear City talking about oh Laporte. You know, if, if only we hadn't lost Laporte. Blah, blah, blah. You, like it, when you actually examine it, you know, Liverpool lost their goalkeeper Allison for ten weeks. You know that. I remember thinking, you know, that opening night against Norwich. You know, has that derailed this title challenge before it's even started? You know, to lose the best goalkeeper in world football for ten weeks, and and suddenly you're relying on a fella that we didn't even have a club in the middle of August in Adrian, and you know what an what a, what an addition he's proved to be. You know, with the saves that he pulled off against Everton, the latest fine performance, and then you, I mean, you go through it, even the you know Matip out, you know Lovren out, Cater missing again, Oxlade Chamberlain's had had spells out, Fabino when when he went out, I think a lot of people thought. That is an absolute body blow. He's so crucial to this team. Liverpool don't have anyone else who's anything like Fabinho. And then, you know, we've seen Jordan Henderson produce the, the finest form of his Liverpool career. Lisa puts it back into the box. Header on goal. Oh, he's got it. And the captain has delivered a blow to AC Milan. They may be three goals down, Liverpool. But Steven Gerrard has urged the thousands of Reds fans inside here to get to their feet. A headed goal from the captain. Well, this is the Red Agenda on The Athletic. And, of course, uh, James Pearce, they're just mentioning uh, Jordan Henderson. Well, he could be the skipper that lifts the Premier League trophy, we hope. We pray that is the case. Let's talk to the last man to lift the championship trophy is the Liverpool captain, and that's Steve McMahon. Uh, Steve, welcome to the show. Pleasure. Hello, Pleasure, pal. Mate. Take us back to that day, the emotion, the experience of it. I really do have to mention it. I mean, winning trophies for Liverpool full stop was always uh, fantastic and emotional times, uh, even though we had a great team, of course. But the, the, the art was just keep on going, keep on winning, and think about the next trophy and the next trophy. And, I never would have dreamt in a million years that I'd be talking to you now, talking about 30 years ago as the last time we lifted that trophy. It, it is just unbelievable to, to think that it's been that long. And every year that goes past, to be honest, and I, I would have hoped that Stevie G um, did it. He nearly did, obviously. For, we don't want to go into that one. But um, it's a bittersweet for me because every year that, that goes by, I say, well, at least I was the last captain. Mm. Uh, so I've dined out on that a few times. I, I think this is my last year. <laughs> on, on a personal <laughs> level, how special was that, that, that captaincy that day? Well, you, on reflection, see, in hindsight, it's like the longer it goes on, the more special it became. And it was another day in the office, if you like. It, it was like, yep, yeah, OK, we've won the league, it's now move on to the next season. And only on reflection, only that time goes by, and the way things have panned out, that it becomes significant. And that's where it really hits home as to how far Liverpool had fallen behind. Hi, Steve. It's uh, James Pearce here. Hi, James. Hi, Steve. Just wanted to ask you about Jordan Henderson, I mean, he's the, the, the current skipper. And you know, he seems to be enjoying at the moment probably the, the best run of form of his, of his entire Anfield career. I'm not too sure. I think he's been consistently very, very good over a long period of time. Probably the most consistent Premier League player. Um, over, over, as I say, over two or three years. It's just that now the team is is responding, 
and everybody in in the team is working together. But with Jordan Henderson, he must be a dream to work with. I mean, Klopp's mm. must be delighted because as a as a manager, you want six or seven players who give you you know what you're getting seven out of ten every week, sometimes an eight, certainly not a five or a six. And, and Jordan gives Liverpool that stability. You can trust them with your life, and you know exactly what you're going to get out of them. Yeah, there's obviously different different types of captain. From what you see from him, is it? Do you think he seems to be the kind of guy almost leads by example? He seems to command respect with the way that he he goes about himself. One hundred percent. I mean, he doesn't have to be swashbuckling type Stevie Gerrard type player scoring wonder goals um, every time we needed a, a a hero. Stevie Gerrard would step up. Jordan Anderson's not like that. He goes about his job. And he, he chases paper, he works for the team, he's unselfish. You see him gene players up, young players. And again, he sets a great example. And I, I must be credit, and all, all the youngsters that are, have come through now must be looking up to Jordan saying he's, he's the model pro. Has the role changed much, Steve? If you, if you look at what Jordan Henderson is actually doing out there, game on game, week on week. Klopp sets up. It, it's it's fascinating, but he doesn't he doesn't want the, the three midfield players to be expansive. He doesn't want a De Bruyne in there. He, he doesn't want that that number ten. He mm. he wants the three solid. He wants them working like he wants to trust them. That the three up top are the, probably the best in Europe as a three. You've got your two fullbacks are almost like wingers, uh, and they've got license to go forward. Robbo and Trent. And they're superb, they're fantastic. So what you've got then is your safety valve, and you've got more than one, you've got two or three. Hmm. And you've also got the best defender in world football in Van Dijk, who's sitting there. So there's your protection, and that's why you get to see overlapping fullbacks. That's why you see crosses coming in from all angles, from Robbo and, and from Trent. And that's why we, we score lots and lots of goals, because the unselfish work that the midfield players do. I mean, there might have been more of an expectancy on you in terms of goal return. Obviously, it's... <laughs> Is it perhaps wider shared amongst this squad? I think we're on 16, is that right, James? Yeah, yeah, 16, 16 scorers this season for Liverpool. Whereas, what, what would you have been told, Steve, in your day? Well, I've been told to get double figures. Get double you know, That's the message at the start of the season. Well, I would expect that. And, and at least one of your central midfield players must get double figures. Your mm. wide players in Barnsley, I say wide player because he was predominantly a striker, stroke wide player, he would get mid team, so he'd get 16, 18. And then, you, you know the why, but Ray Houghton would get closer to, to double figures. Your two strikers, I mean, Rush Hughes and, and Peter Baisley, would get probably 40 goals between them. So all of a sudden, you're touching 60, 65 goals without even scratching the service of your full-backs and your, and your centre-half. So, I mean, in order to be successful, you have to work out where you're going to get 80 goals from. I'm saying 80, it could be a little bit more, could be a little bit less. But you've got to go on a basis of 80 goals, and I think you have to share that round, and whoever gets them, it doesn't really matter. But I, I was, each season, I used to be thinking of double figures, and invariably, we got them. And, and we were talking before about the centre-halves and the pairing that Liverpool have got at the moment in Joe Gomez and, and Virgil van Dijk, and of course, they weren't that bad, the players that played behind you, were they? Well, we have this conversation, Alan and, and Laurel, um, <laughs> magnificent, you know, you wouldn't swap would, them, would you? Would you? No, you wouldn't, you know. <laughs> I, I mean, you've got to make a case for Van Dijk. I get asked the, the question frequently. Would the team now be in a position uh, and would be better um, playing against the team when, when we played in the early 80s? Now, totally different because 
you look at the top three and you think, Mane, would he, is he better than John Barnes? Would he get in, in, in team instead of John Barnes? I don't think so. Would Would Firmino get in the team instead of Ian Rush? I don't think so. Would Beasley get in the team instead of Salah? Or, or Barnsley or, or whoever? I'm not too sure. I mean, yes, he's had a couple of great seasons, but consistently, I mean, you look at the players, Alan Hansen in midfield, you know, you talk about Wijnaldum. Is he better than Jan Mulby in that sense of midfield? You know, Steve Nicholl was an amazing fullback. He scored goals for fun. And I know Trent is, is exceptional and will be world-class and, and is starting to be world-class. And Robbo, the same. But Nicholl wasn't bad, was he? <laughs> it's a great argument to have, isn't it? Now, at what stage, Steve, or is there not a stage where you can become a little bit more um, confident in, in Liverpool getting close to this trophy? I'm sure, James, you get asked every day, don't you? Are they going <laughs> to win it? Steve, you probably get asked the same question yeah. all the time. Is it simply a case of you just don't answer it until you've done it? Well, no, I, th- I, I think I, I, I was quoted and I've been saying up until last season that Liverpool were not winners for four four years or so when Klopp was in charge, the team he'd brought in and the players that were working with him for four years were not winners. The almost, yeah, but almost is not good enough for Liverpool and, and yet they go on and win the Champions League, they almost won the Premier League and given that winning mentality now with the Champions League and now the World Trophy, the World Cup competition, that has only spurred Liverpool onto momentum and momentum is a wonderful thing in football and they seem to have this at this moment in time, it's relentless every game is relentless, even now we're not playing particularly well at times but we're finding a way it's it's game management which is which is magnificent by the players and by Klopp and everything he's doing now turning to gold, the youngsters he, he turned out I feared for, for, for Liverpool yesterday, I really did. But how can you win when you turn a performance like that and, and you come out with a magnificent result? Something special. It looks like you'll lose your record, but I don't think you'll you mind, don't. will you, Steve? As long as I get invited to the party, Steve, you know. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be a big list for that one. Steve McMahon, thank you very much. Cheers, Steve. Cheers, boys. All the thank best. Uh, that's the, ma- the last man <laughs> to captain Liverpool to the title. And as he said right at the start, 30 years... Even he never thought it'd be that long. No, no, it, it's it's crazy, isn't it? It's uh, yeah, October October nineteen ninety was was uh, when my dad first took me to Anfield for the first time, and it was I, I remember him buying me a, a scarf and it had Liverpool eighteen times Champions of England mm. on it, and I remember saying to him, I, I didn't I didn't want you to get me that one because that's going to be out of date in May, and I've still got the scarf at home and it's still not out of date yet. So <laughs> the uh, the uh, <laughs> I've still got the champions rosette as well. This uh, that's on the, on the shelf, which that's looking a bit sorry and a little bit worse for wear after thirty years. So um, yeah, it's about it's about time. Get ready for a brand new scarf, James. <laughs> this athletic podcast is brought to you in association with Stitch Fix, an online personal styling service. It takes the hard work out of dressing well. To get started, head to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic. You can fill out a style quiz. Tell us about your personal style, your budget, your size, your shape, your clothing needs and wants. A personal stylist then sends you five items of clothing, each handpicked especially for you from our selection of hundreds of brands, including established names, cool emerging designers and exclusive brands that you're not going to find anywhere else. You can try on everything at home and style with other items in your wardrobe. You can then pay for what you love and send back the rest. For your stylist time, you pay a charge of £10. That's deducted from the cost of anything you decide to buy. You try before you buy at home. Delivery and returns are free both ways, and you don't need a subscription to sign up. 
Well, Stitch Fix allows you to save time because we do the shopping for you, discover new styles. Uh, your stylist can find some great items that you'd have never picked out yourself and enjoy top styling tips. Uh, get started with uh, Stitch Fix today and support our podcasts. Go to uh, stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic right now. Right, James, um, one of the the pieces that you've written recently on theathletic.com uh, is about Liverpool in January and uh, and how they stack up or how they have stacked up in recent seasons under Jurgen Klopp. So you've crunched the stats and what have you discovered? <laughs> well, traditionally, it's been the month where where Liverpool have had a, a wobble um, during during Klopp's reign. I think you, know, you, you go back to his... His first winter in English football in uh, in January 2016. I think they only took four points out of a out of a possible 12 uh, on that occasion. You know, 2017, that January was probably most memorable for when Sadio Mane went off to the Africa Cup of Nations and and Liverpool went through a you know a, a real bad patch. Then knocked out of both domestic cups, only three points from from four league games. 2018, I think was better. Of course, that was Virgil Van Dijk had come in, Coutinho had gone. Um, but there was still, you know, think about that league defeat down at, at Swansea uh, and then crashing out the FA Cup to West Brom when Klopp actually fielded a pretty strong team in that one. And then even a year ago, you know, there was that, you know, the wobble in the title race and seeing the the lead uh, trim back significantly with that narrow defeat of the Etihad to City and then um, defeat to Wolves in the FA Cup and then that disappointing draw at home to Leicester. Um, but I think, I think you, you, I think... What kind of struck me is I wrote the piece on the back of the win over Sheffield United in kind of like the, uh, you know, obviously that, that kind of f- the first game of the, the new year. And you think it feels like this is such a different Liverpool now. You know, I think Jordan Henderson, when he did an interview with The Athletic over in Qatar, um, talked about how he said the managers evolved during his time here. He said, you know, when he came, mm. the Christmas games, the schedule was very, very new to him. He said, you know, now we have... There's a lot more recovery time. He said, you know, he talked about players being able to have, have recovery and rehab sessions at their houses rather than coming into Melwood over Christmas. And I think I think Klopp has learned that you can't, you know, you can't keep on pushing and pushing. Yeah, you want training to be intense, but you know, you've 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 got to tailor it the the right way. And um, and you know, and I and I think you know also you look at the way now the the sports science department is is absolutely top notch I think um, you know I think there's there's a number of things that they've done you know I think the mentality of this this team as well is different now I think you think back to last January and certainly that when, when they when they slipped up home to Leicester you know I think you could sense the anxiety around the place I don't think anyone feels any anxiety around Anfield now it's almost where, where maybe a year ago it was you got to the new year and you thought you know, wow this is like uncharted territory you know how how are they going to handle it? I think now you kind of think well, they are. You know, there's there's no hint as there of any kind of title nerves or or baggage or anything like that creep creeping into it. So, um, so it should be like no other January, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think the o- the only the only thing you temper that with is the fact that if you were looking for any spell in the season, I think left, which which is which is going to ask some serious questions. It probably is the next three league games I think with with Tottenham away I know you know no Kane obviously you know he's he's injured but you know it's Mourinho Mourinho you know we know how much he would dearly love to throw a spanner in the works um you know then you've got you've got United again that you know then they're not the United of old but again 
you know, Liverpool have, 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 have we've said this before about United. You know, the Klopp's mm. record against United isn't particularly great. You know, they have had a habit of 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 being difficult opposition for Liverpool to beat, and then Wolves away after United, and you know, Wolves, you know, are you know going through a little bit of a tough spell domestically after a real tough run of games, but that's a really difficult place to go to as well. So it feels like these next three games, I think, you know, if Liverpool could get, I think, I think if you could get seven points out of the nine, uh, I, I think that then that is... You still can't some... say anything until the right time, James. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be in a very good position. <laughs> and that's what we all say publicly. Uh, James Pearce, fantastic as always. Thank you. Uh, thank you to Steve McMahon as well. Ollie Kay, who came on earlier. James and Ollie have written some brilliant stuff on The Athletic. Hope you enjoyed the Red Agenda. It returns next week, and hopefully the unbeaten run is still there.